Grace and peace to you from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I've only been here for, for a little less than two months, but I'm starting to realize something. And it's that Mississauga is a bit of a melting pot, isn't it? Yeah, it really didn't take too long. I was here maybe a day or two, and I had, I had already caught on to that. Now, Canada has two official languages, but did you know that in Mississauga alone, there are over 15 languages that are spoken by more people than French? And when we have all of these different languages all the way, all the way around us, sometimes words, when they move from one language to another, take a different meaning. It's hard to take certain phrases and move them just right into another language. For example, in English we have the expression, make yourself at home. But if you took those words and moved them into another language, tried to translate them into, say, perhaps Spanish, it wouldn't make as much sense. Because in Spanish, when you have the word make, you might be thinking, you know, I can make a fort, or I can make something to eat, but I'm not going to make myself. So are you telling me to, to create myself in my house? It just, it wouldn't make sense. So in Spanish, the saying goes, mi casa es su casa. My house is your house. But you can kind of see that when we bring that back into English, Again, the sense is sort of lost. And if you heard someone say, my house is your house, you might start thinking they were saying that, that the building that they live in is actually the same building that you live in. And again, it, it just doesn't quite work. But as we look at our lesson today and we see David saying that he wants to build a house for God, we find that that's exactly what God was telling David. He says, no, David, my house is your house. Mi casa es su casa. As we celebrate Thanksgiving this weekend, it, it seems natural for us to think back to the, the people that came to Canada and started celebrating Thanksgiving here years and years ago. They had just come to a new world, and that settling in a new land came with all its difficulties. But even after all of that, they were thankful. They had so much to be thankful for that they decided to dedicate a day to give thanks to God. Well, when we look at, at the lesson that we have before us today, and we see all the things that we just saw in that, that presentation that Pastor pointed us through, we find ourselves kind of in a similar situation. The Israelites have come to a new land. And they certainly had some difficulties that they went through in that period of the judges that pastor walked us through, but, but here we see in, in the verses just before our lesson today, David is settling into his palace. And the Lord has given them peace from all of the enemies around them. So they're settling in to the new land. But getting to that palace hadn't been an easy trip for David. He had certainly had his fair share of difficulties along the way too. But still... He has a lot to be thankful for. God had taken him from being that, that lowly little shepherd boy that no one would have thought twice about, given him that impressive victory over the giant Goliath. Then he had rescued him from the wicked King Saul as he spent the greater part of a decade trying to kill him. 
And God had anointed and appointed David to be king over all of Israel. And now we see he's been given this palace, a palace that was built for him by another king who's trying to get on his good side because he really is this powerful king, so powerful in fact that now he has peace in his land. From all of the enemies all the way around, he, he's finally at peace. But even through all of that, David looks out of, of that who knows what story window of his cedar palace and he's looking out at the city of David, Jerusalem, and all of its glorious splendor, and he sees something that bothers him. Because right down there in the, in the shadow of his palace is that tent. The tent that we heard about last week that we saw just now, and we know it as the tabernacle. And as ornate as it might have been with all of its furnishings inside and, and all of the embellishments, it was still nothing more than just that, a tent. And David knew that inside that tent was the Ark of the Covenant of God. And so the Ark of God is in a tent, and he's sitting here in a cedar palace, and that just didn't sit right with him. He was so thankful for everything God had done for him and for his people, the Israelites, that he wanted to show his thanks to God by, by building a house for him. So he gets this idea that I'm going to build a house for God. And he tells it to Nathan, God's prophet. And Nathan says, yeah, I, I think that sounds like a good plan. But it turns out God had other plans. And he comes to David and he lets him know that he was not the one to build a house for the Lord. But instead, it, it was God who was going to build a house for David. We read the words of the Lord through the prophet Nathan. The Lord declares to you that the Lord himself will establish a house for you. When your days are over and you rest with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you who will come from your own body, and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father, and he will be my son. When he does wrong, I will punish him with the rod of men, with floggings inflicted by men. But my love will never be taken away from him, as I took it away from Saul, whom I removed from before you. Your house and your kingdom will endure forever before me. Your throne will be established forever. And so it's as though God was telling David, you don't need to build a house for me. My house is your house. Mi casa es su casa. God wanted David to focus on what was really important. He had been dwelling among the Israelites in a tent for centuries now, and it had never been a problem for him up until that point. It wasn't going to be a problem now. If you know your Bible history, you know that David's son Solomon would grow up and he would build a temple for God. And it was a magnificent and beautiful building. At first glance, we might think, that's it. That's what God was talking about in this promise to David. And it certainly was a part of it. But just like with so much of the other thing that we've seen these past weeks in the Old Testament, that wasn't the whole picture. 
In fact, it wasn't even the beginning. David was thinking about the here and the now. But in God's grand scheme of things, a a little building built out of wood and stones and precious metals wasn't what it was all about. When God promised David that he was going to raise up his offspring, his seed to succeed him, he wasn't just talking about Solomon. He was talking about that seed, that same seed he had promised to Adam and Eve all the way back in the Garden of Eden, and to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and all of the Israelites all the way along. He was talking about Jesus. And when God promised that 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 seed would build a house for him, and that he would establish his kingdom forever, he wasn't just talking about Solomon's temple and the kingdom of Israel that Solomon would rule. A temple which, by the way, later would be destroyed. And a kingdom which would be taken off into captivity in the land of Babylon. No, God was talking about His Son, Jesus. And His eternal heavenly kingdom. The church that He would build here on earth. The church that you and I are a part of. Sometimes when we look at the promises of God, we might get bogged down in that that first appearance. But we know that God's focus is really more than that. His focus is on Jesus. God's house wasn't going to be a house that would be built by human hands. God's house wasn't a house that was going to be built out of stones cut in a quarry somewhere. God's house would be built with living stones. And we heard about those living stones in in that second lesson this morning from the Apostle Paul. He told us, You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in Scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. It's Jesus. Jesus is that cornerstone. And he paid the ultimate sacrifice on the cross so that now through him, all of our sacrifices are acceptable to God. And so that through him, his eternal kingdom is now open to everyone. He's building that kingdom up with living stones. He's building His kingdom, His house, with you. And so God's message to you is the same as His message was to His servant David. My house is your house. And so, as we try to focus on what's important this Thanksgiving, God does the same thing as He did with David. He points us to His Word. To his promise. We can do no, farther, no, no better than to read God's word. And we see the message of his word clearly, even on this banner right here behind me. This is what God wants us to know. This is his command to us right before he ascended into heaven. It's a simple message, just four little verbs. Go and make disciples, baptizing them and teaching them. 
But I think it's that last little part that sometimes starts to get a little tricky for us. Teaching them. Teaching them, he says, to obey everything I have commanded you. And sometimes we might start to, to wonder, maybe even to worry, how can I confidently teach other people something that I don't even know that well myself? And the bad news is, you really can't. But the good news is, every single day, as we read God's Word, we gain a better understanding of exactly what that is that He was teaching us. And that's why he used that picture. God urges us to crave the Word of God just like newborn babies crave their mother's milk. I have a niece, Evelyn, who's just a couple weeks away now from her first birthday. And if you've experienced being around a baby, if you've seen or, or heard that baby when it thinks it's been too long since the last time it had something to eat, you know what God is talking about here. It adds a, a certain level to that, that picture. And if you've seen these little babies, just how incredibly much they grow and how much stronger they get in those months that their mothers are feeding them, that adds a whole other picture too. And that's what God is telling us here. As we drink His spiritual milk, as we read the Word of God, we too are going to grow up. We're going to be strengthened by the Holy Spirit, as He builds us up on the foundation of Christ, our cornerstone. That's what God was telling David in that promise. He was trying to, to get his perspective back into focus. David needed some reminding that the house of God isn't something that he was going to be able to build. The house of God was built through the saving work of Jesus Christ when he suffered and died for us on the cross. David was planning good things, but God wanted to remind him that there was something even better. The Gospel of Jesus. And so as we go about planning our lives, and there's all of these things that we have to take into account, there's so much that we need to do, there's so many things that seem just so important. And so typically, we, we line up our days, we... Try and do it in a way that we're going to hit all of the important things. I don't think there's anybody here that intentionally makes bad plans when they're planning out their days. I'm going to plan my day so that I don't get everything done that I need to get done. Our, plans might, our day might not always go according to plan, but we still our plan itself is something that's probably the way we think is the best way to go about it. And we see that's, that's what David was thinking in this lesson, and that's what even Nathan thought. But then sometimes God comes and stops us. He stops us because along the way, when we were thinking of all the stuff that we needed to get done in the here and now, we've lost focus, haven't we? We've lost focus on that one thing that's really important. We've lost focus on on the gospel of Jesus. We want to see Jesus. That's the overarching theme that we have these 12 weeks as we walk through the Old Testament, right? We want to see Jesus. But do you? 
Of course you do. You're all here. It's a holiday weekend where we're sitting in church, listening to, reading, and, and studying the Word of God. So now we can, we can go home, right? And before you eat that turkey dinner, we can get out our, our planner for the week and find the line where it says, focus on Jesus and, and check it off with a big check mark. Because we're done. We're good. We've done that for the week, right? And I'm, being, I'm being facetious, and you guys know that. And I don't think there's anyone here that would say that. But it's still exactly what we do, isn't it? We go home and, and those plans for our personal devotion turn out to be just that. A plan that, that we never get around to because there's so much other stuff that we need to do and, and so many opportunities to study God's Word, to, to do Bible study with our believers. We, we push aside because we're too busy or, or we just don't have the time. Sometimes we may not even find ourselves here on a Sunday morning. Because in all of the rushing and the busyness of this world, maybe it's just easier to, to take a day off and, and catch up on some, some much-needed sleep. And that's when God steps in and interrupts our plans. Like he did to David, he said, Hey, hey, look, David. It's not about building a building or the things you want to get done. It's, it's about this. It's about my son whose, whose kingdom is coming and whose kingdom will never end. And this morning through his word, God comes to all of us and he says, Hey, look, guy. Look, gal. It's not about you. It's not about your plans or, or what you want to get done or what you haven't done. It's about this. It's about Jesus. God comes to us and he says, time out. You're losing focus. You're focusing on all of the things in this world, things to do, things that are done, things that aren't done, but really what you want to focus on is what I've done. Because God knows each and every one of us, and he knows that, that we were going to fail. He knew that we were going to fall short and that we would prioritize all the things of this world before Him and, and His Word. But He loves us anyway. And so He sent His Son, Jesus, so that for all of the wrong that we've done, all those times that we cast God aside, push the Bible off our table to make room for, for what busyness we have to do, He didn't punish us. He punished Jesus. In the lesson this morning, we have those words... He would be punished with the rod of men and, and with floggings inflicted by the hands of men. We don't get that punishment for our own sins because God gave that punishment to Jesus instead. It was Jesus who hung on the cross to pay the price for our sins. But through His death on that cross, death itself was defeated. And the punishment for our sins was taken away. Through His resurrection, His kingdom was established forever. Just like God had promised to His servant David all those years before. That's the gospel of Jesus. That He loved sinful me and sinful you 
people who would rather tend to, to these worldly things that we have to do each week than take a moment or two to read his word. He loved us so much that he died for us. Taking our sin and casting it aside. Bringing us into his house. And giving us an inheritance in that everlasting kingdom of his peace. That's the gospel of Jesus. The gospel that has the power to turn spiritually dead people into living stones that are being built into his house. And that's the gospel of Jesus that we have. We have the ability to read it and study it every day. So when you think about it, we really have an awful lot to be thankful for this Thanksgiving. We have a God who, who built a house for us. Sending His Son to die to take away our sins so that we could be a part of that house. We have a God who lets us be an instrumental part in building up that house. He's given us everything we need to know for our salvation and everything we need to know so that we can go into the world and share that gospel of Jesus with everyone we meet. We have a God who reminds us through the gospel that everything that is His, He gives to us freely through His Son, Jesus Christ. We have a God who tells us, my house is your house. Amen.